Skeeter hadn't been here all day today. He was went to the doctor this morning. Uh, got some shots in his powertrain and got a viral infection in his throat. And we didn't know if he's even going to be here tonight. I wish I could sing like that when my voice was good. But to show you how God works, I had not seen Skeeter until he came over here and sat down a little bit ago. And I says, how you feeling? He says, weak. I said, are you singing? Yes, sir. I said, what are you singing? He said, please forgive me. So I forgave him. <laughs> but, but no, I says, well, I believe you've heard the Lord correctly. Because the Lord had laid it on my heart. To exhort you tonight, I'm not going to preach, but I want to exhort you with a brief word from God's word about repentance. And any of you that think that just because you gave your heart to the Lord once upon a time, maybe recently, maybe years ago, that doesn't think repentance is necessary for you on an ongoing basis, you've been lied to. One of the things that I have discovered is that when Jesus saved me, that was full, complete, and free. But I need to be saved from myself. And so do you. You see, the natural man, the physical man, is at enmity with the things of God. The flesh wars against the spirit and it's an ongoing battle daily. I, am I the only one that has that problem? Somebody should have said, me too. Amen. Because it's a simple truth that Paul, one of the recognizes one of the greatest Christians to ever live other than Jesus, maybe even the greatest Christian who penned roughly two-thirds of the New Testament. We read in his word where he's describing himself and he says, you know, the things that I want to do are the things I, don't, I find myself not doing. And the things that I don't want to do are the things I do find myself doing. Oh, wretched man that I am. My spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. There's that battle. That word wretched, I've shared with you how, you know, I wish I'd have discovered the power of the dictionary while I was in school. Man, it makes words come alive. But he said, oh, wretched man that I am. I looked up wretched. You can look it up and check me out. It says, miserable, detestable, Poor in quality man that I am. This is the Apostle Paul. Oh, miserable. See, he was miserable because of the war that went on. And it never ceased until he went to be with Jesus. And I might give you a bulletin that your warfare is not going to cease until you step out of this fleshly body and into the realm of eternity. But until that time, you need to fight the good fight of faith. You need to endure hard times, afflictions, 
You need to persevere. These are words that this society and day and age in which we live, we don't want to talk about them. We want to talk about the Bless Me Club and the ease and the comfort and the tickle my ear. Let me caution you something and I'm going to have to be careful to not get off somewhere I don't need to go. But if you go do a study in God's Word talking about the last days, the end times, you'll discover that one of the things that Scripture says is that the church would heap unto themselves teachers having itching ears. In other words, they want people to comfort them and tickle their ear, make it feel good about everything's all right. You're going to be blessed and highly favored. Life's rosy-posy. Now let me time out and inject this. The blessings of God are a byproduct of a hand-in-hand walk and relationship with God on a daily basis. They are not what we are to pursue. We are to pursue God. We are to pursue His presence. And in our pursuit of Him, in our obedience to Him, Deuteronomy 28, if we hear His Word, if we obey His Word, Deuteronomy 28, 10 through 16, talks about these blessings will pursue you and overtake you. And it begins to list them. Cowboys in particular, you ought to know this passage of Scripture by heart because he uses terminology and verbiage that you understand. And he says, I'm going to bless your kids, your cattle, your crops, your barns, your storehouses. I'm going to bless them. And we all like the blessings of God. But did you notice that they're dependent upon hearing and obeying God's Word? Now, along the way, even with the very best of intentions... There's going to be times that you're going to miss God, you're going to fail God, and you're going to sin. Amen. I believe my Bible said, if any man says he is not sin, he's a liar and the truth is not any. Now we have to understand that there are sins of commission, sins that we commit, that we do wrong. Then it says there are sins of omission. There are things that you and I know that we should do. We know it. We even feel prompted of God's Spirit. And we don't do it. You're walking in disobedience. Now, I'm not here to beat you up. And though the Scripture says there's a sin that is under death and a sin that is not under death, I believe that that's one of those sins that is not under death. But we need to have an attentive ear to hear what the Spirit would say. And we need to have a desirous heart and a disciplined body to be able to do what God's Word says and what we know in our heart and our spirit in our mind is the right thing to do so that we don't commit sins of omission. If you have your Bible tonight, would you turn to Psalms 51. I love the Psalms. I love Proverbs. I love the life of David because it so mirrors most of ours. The ups and the downs and the mountaintops and the valleys and the good times and the failures. And you just read it throughout his writings and 
you'll see that David was, by most standards, uh, quite the man to be envied. From his youth, he was heralded as a, a hero after killing uh, Goliath. As a young man, he married royalty, which didn't hurt his pocketbook. He was a skillful, skillful warrior, commander, and leader. His best friend was a prince. He was a musician, a songwriter, and a poet. He was quite a hit with the ladies. And if all that wasn't enough, he also lived a life so spiritually passionate that God himself called him a man after God's own heart. It isn't often that a man with this caliber resume could be, would have such a genuine depth of humility. But David did. David knew that he desperately needed God's mercy. And he desperately needed God's forgiveness. And he desperately needed God's restoration. Instead of believing the press of his day and age about proclaiming what a great man he was. You remember the parades he had come in and Saul has killed his thousands but David is tens of thousands. And all oh, they just... Well... I ain't going to say he could have had an ego like some of our leaders today. But he covered himself constantly in brokenness, in repentance, in forgiveness. He had humbled himself. And that was one of the most impressive things about David. We see in Chapter 51, the first nine verses where David talks about his sin and he repents of his sin and he asks God to blot out his transgressions and to forgive him and to cleanse him. And we pick up in verse 10, probably one of the most well-known scriptures known in Christianity. And it says simply, Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Oftentimes we quote that restoring to me the joy of my salvation. Listen, you can't save yourself. It's his salvation. Restoring to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me with your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your way, and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed. He's talking about when he had Uriah sent to the front lines and murdered. Deliver me from the guilt of the bloodshed, O God, and the God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice, or I would give it. You do not, do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, 
a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. I want to camp out at verse 10 for just a few moments. I'm just going to present a couple of things to you and exhort you to to ingest them, to digest them, to go and let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart, to your mind, and you speak to God for yourself. You let the Spirit of God deal with you. You be accountable for you. Don't grade my paper, and I'm not going to grade yours. But I want you to be honest with yourself and see if you need, like David, to pray in earnestness, humility, and sincerity a prayer of repentance. But we need to understand a couple of things first. Verse 10, the first word says, create. That's one of those words. It just simply says to make something out of nothing. I'm not the creator. God is. I can't make something out of nothing. I can't make in me a clean heart. You can't either. So stop trying. Only God can create. In us, a clean heart. Amen. That comes about by repentance. Then I want to focus on the word clean. Clean in the dictionary says free of dirt, impurities, unsolved, morally pure. Now the King James uses the word pure heart instead of clean heart. I'm reading from the New King James tonight where it says clean heart, but the King James says pure heart. Pure means free from anything that adulterates. Blameless. Blameless. Free from anything that adulterates. Free from anything that pollutes. Free from anything that dilutes. Free from anything that poisons. Free from anything that corrupts. Free from anything that compromises. I asked a simple question tonight. Do you have a pure heart? Or a clean heart? If not, you can. The way that you have that is first through repentance. Where God creates in us this clean heart but to have it stay clean scripture says that we have our mind renewed by the washing of the water of the word absolutely imperative that if you're going to walk with a clean heart clean hands pure motives yet with the power of God upon your life there's no shortcuts it's spending time with Jesus Developing that relationship with Him. Hiding His Word in your heart so that you don't sin against Him. He says, I don't want you to be a servant that needs rebuke. Rather, He says, put that Word in there so that I don't have to rebuke you and chastise you and correct you. Because 
The Word is a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. The Word is the road map that not only shows us the way, but the Word is the fuel that builds our spiritual faith. Faith comes by what? The Word. There's no shortcuts. I say it constantly because I'm convinced of it in my heart that you can desire more faith, pray for more faith, want more faith, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. In fact, we all should need more, want more faith. But it only comes not through prayer, not through desiring it, but through putting the Word of God in you so that your mind is washed and renewed, so that the Word gets in your heart. Do you want to know what's in your heart? Quite simply, listen to what comes out of your mouth. Because the Word says this, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Do you want to know what's really in your heart? Listen to your daily conversation. That's what's in your heart. So, create in us this clean heart. This pure heart. Oh God. And renew... A steadfast spirit. Steadfast simply means a firm, fixed, constant spirit. Don't miss that word, constant. It's important. Scripture says, I'd rather you be hot or cold. Don't be lukewarm. Don't be double-minded. Don't be half-hearted. You can't straddle the fence and have both feet on the ground. You're going to have to lean one way or the other, guys. As long as a man has straddles the fence, he'll never have both feet on the ground. And tonight, in order to fulfill God's call on your life and to enjoy the inner peace, purpose, power of God, you've got to become steadfast. Even in that steadfastness, you're going to make mistakes. I'll even use the word sin. There are going to be some of those sins of omission and commission that you're going to have to repent. David was constantly repenting. Repent is one of those words that has dual meanings. It means to turn around and go the other way. It also means to change the way you think. Some of us that are saved and on our way to heaven, we need to have the way we think changed. And starting, bless you, starting with this. We need to repent that I'm saved and on my way to heaven. And that's good enough. No, it's not. That's the main objective. But the very definition of Christian is what? Christ-like. I'm so far from being like him, which means I have a whole lot of changing and progressing to do. So I don't need to become complacent and comfortable with where I'm at. The day that you become comfortable and complacent with where you are in your walk with God, you're on dangerous ground. Now some of you country folk, you understand what causes a stagnant pond, stagnation. 
It's just sitting there and it's dead and the oxygen gets bad. There's no water flowing in. There's no water flowing out. Perfect picture of how we become stagnant in our Christian walk with God. We get comfortable and we sit still. We don't seek Him. We, don't, we lose that desire of Him. I believe I read in the Word, One thing have I desired, and that will I continually seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That doesn't just mean heaven. Being in the house of the Lord means being in His presence, being with Him daily, daily, daily. Because in His presence where you're going to get your strength. In His presence is where you're going to get your instructions. In His presence is where you're going to get your hope. In, your, in His presence is where you're going to get your marching orders, so to speak. It's imperative that daily you become a seeker of God. Daily that you make Him a priority in your life. So that that steadfastness, that unshakable, unmovable steadfastness... And your commitment to Him can grow. Repentance. Bow your heads. I'm done.